0: So the whole goal of the Christian walk is not to be a good Christian it's not to be what a lot would define as successful it's to be transformed back to image and likeness it's the whole reason why we're born for image and likeness and when God created Adam he created mankind exactly in his image and in his likeness. So we're not God, but we're just like him. We're partakers of the divine nature. And Jesus himself in the flesh, as you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the perfect image bearer. So in the garden, as God himself was raising Adam, I guarantee Adam made mistakes as he's learning. Does that mean he fell short of the glory? No, because he was perfect in nature. So any of you who are fighting perfectionism, kill it. Kill it, kill it, kill it. It's not about what you do. It's about the nature. So the devil tempts Adam and says, come eat of this tree. Right? Now, any other tree was totally okay, But this tree had a different nature. So when he ate of the tree, it wasn't the act. It was the thing he ate. He took on a different nature, the nature of the beast. And the nature of the beast, as it infected his whole being, forces him to retreat. And the first response from our good father is, Adam, where are you? It wasn't discipline or correction, it was where are you? And God knew where Adam physically was, he's God, so what is he asking? Adam, where are you? And Adam says this, I was ashamed so I hid. So technically it wasn't sin that separated Adam from God, it was shame. So I'm telling you right now, this day, in total boldness, it is the Lord's will that you live totally without shame. And you were born into a sin nature, totally out of the will of your choice. But he's made a way. He's made a way. I'll tell you something, I had a dream that rocked me to the core. Most of us know Todd White, he's a, he's a um, dreadlocked dude down to his shoulders, fire-breathing, street evangelist, prays for everything that moves. And I'm telling you, 90% of the people he prays for gets healed. I've seen him open deaf ears, pick up people out of wheelchairs, blind eyes. Wonderful. I had a dream. And Todd was at the front of a church ministering, but he had a buzz cut, All oh, his hair was gone. And I was like, what is going on? And he was preaching perfect doctrine. Nothing was evil about it. Nothing was bad. I was like, this is really good teaching. But God, where are you? I didn't feel him in the room while I'm in this church and the spirit and the dream. And then I woke up. And then for the third time in my life, I hear the audible voice of God in my left ear. And he says, that's Todd without the anointing. Now, this isn't about Todd White's personal walk. Todd White represents evangelism and ministry. And no matter how good the doctrine is, if you don't have the anointing, your words are vain, Okay. I had another dream the last time I was down here about two weeks ago. My little brother, he's a young Marine. He was very excited about the new gun laws in New Hampshire. So he carried around a gun just for fun. Left it in my car. And I was going to drive down to stay at the Milhams' place, but in mass, if I were to get caught, that's a minimum one year. (laughs) So I was at the Costas and woke up to a parrot chirping. But um, he owns a parrot. First person that wakes up in the house is that darn parrot. But um, (laughs) I had another dream that night. I will not even call it a dream because I'd already woken up. I was like in that half-in, half-out stage where you're just kind of laying in bed, don't want to get out of bed, communing with the Spirit of God. And I saw this podium, and I was standing on it, just like this, even though I don't use podiums. And then I said, okay, everybody, I want to introduce you to my friend. And I stepped aside. And then all of a sudden, the whole place, got totally moved and changed by the invisible man. It's too good. The Holy Spirit is absolutely everything. He is the glory. He is the presence. Now, in the presence of the person Holy Spirit is the return of image and likeness. It's the only true place of transformation, and when you yourself manifest the Christ on earth. It's the only place. Holy Spirit, come. The Holy Spirit is so incredibly precious. He's so sensitive. Really, he's so sensitive. Every move you make can be in him. Every move you make can be in a constant exchange. I've met so many people who come to, to meetings like this, and they get absolutely obliterated. They're so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It brings me so much joy, a sensitive heart to the Holy Spirit. It's so special. Never change, if that's, that's what you're like. But then they go the other six days, and they're just totally emotionally disturbed constantly. <laughs> and it's like, did the Holy Spirit change? It's when they walk through the door, they postured their heart for two hours in the reality of heaven. So for those two hours, they walked in glory. And then when they walked out the door, they walked right out of glory, even though it was never about a building, when your body itself is the temple, the Holy Spirit, and the church is his people. <clears throat> so it's like, there's this place you can walk. And don't be discouraged, because I understand the amount of distractions, especially as you grow in influence, and you grow in responsibilities. So this is where discipline comes in. To continually eating the right tree. Instead of you being as God, no matter how busy your hands get, your heart still laid down in rest. And every time God's Spirit manifests, He's making David lie down in green pastures. He's leading him beside still waters. And when He manifested to Moses on the mountain, He says, I'm the Lord your God, and I'm giving you rest because a king is never proving his kingship. You know lions sleep 20 hours a day? 20 hours a day, they sleep. Yeah. (laughs) The other four, they conquer. Where does the blood of Jesus come in? It's a currency. It's a currency. Sin is like a debt. Sometimes it's not just what somebody does to you. It's what they don't do to you. They owe you something, whether it be honor or respect or something like that. And you can feel it in your heart and your spirit like they owe me something. And you either become incredibly offended, slightly offended, or you realize, how can they give you something they're not receiving? Man, I quoted this to a junior high recently. I spoke in front of a junior high. And um, I quote Martin Luther King Jr. And I made it clear, I I didn't say Dr. Martin Luther King. I said Reverend Martin Luther King to know that he was a man of God. A lot of time, unbelievers don't realize who they're celebrating and what they stood for. But Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. quoted this. He said, "Um, you can't drive out darkness with darkness. Only light can do that. You can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Wonderful, wonderful picture, okay? Now God himself honors the sun. So if you don't know how to receive honor or receive compliments or receive anything, how can you give anything away? Okay. And when you receive honor from the spirit realm, from the Lord himself, you won't need a hint of affirmation. I wanna make this clear. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. I don't care how oppressed you think you are. I don't care how bad the cards you think you've been dealt. Nobody owes you a thing. That's good news for you because that means you don't know anybody a thing either. You've been bought and purchased with a price. So if you're hearing other people's voices in your head, whether it's your mother-in-law or your teacher or your dad who's been dead 10 years, it's time to cut the soul tie because your soul belongs to Jesus. You have one shepherd, one voice, one father called no other man father. And if he said that, I think it's safe to say call no other man husband. Understood? So like a natural husband fills the mantle of husband, but there's only one eternal oneness. Hence the being of Jesus Christ, who's made himself one with you irrevocably. And just to prove my statement earlier about even sin not separating you from God, David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're still there with me. And all of you who have rebelled at a season of your life, as I have, your love always finds me, as the lyric said. Now the shame keeps you from the glory and the blood cleanses you of shame. The scripture said the blood cleanses you, cleanses the conscience. And just like the priests in the Old Testament, they cover themselves in blood and ceremonial washings just to clear their conscience because the sin nature is always whispering. And then they come into the Holy of Holies with their heart postured in fear and reverence and the Holy Spirit drowned them in presence. So the blood of Jesus cleanses the conscience to come in and i see christians in repetitive cycles of confessions where they mess up and then they ask for the blood and they get cleansed and they mess up but they never step into the glory which brings the transformation does that make sense so the blood is onto something so the blood of jesus cleanses our conscience so we can step into the glory and the glory is what brings the change and it makes your your God-like nature because you have been born again and your spirit man is a complete work come alive and take dominion over the flesh and you can't even help it your actual physical body becomes a slave to righteousness and no longer are you a slave to unrighteousness but you're a slave to righteousness you can't stop doing good and you love doing good and the whole point is for the other tree to have a pole because he just wants your choice You just want your choice. I'm engaged to this beautiful woman right here, Jacqueline. Soon to be Arsenal in five weeks. And I just had this weird thing where I just, I wanted to be chosen. So like, I wanted, I told her, I was like, if you're around a bunch of good looking dudes (laughs) in a bad situation, I want you there because that's when I know. That's when I know how devoted you are to me. Jealousy is often a manifestation of insecurity, you know? Now, there's a, there's a holy divine jealousy, which is a jealous, protective, totally unselfish manifestation. But I'm talking about unhealthy jealousy is a manifestation of insecurity. But I, the point is, I want her to choose me. And she has. She has, despite all the polls, various things. I'm so glad. <laughs> but I can tell the ones that are in a religious spirit, and the ones who are in the kingdom. This is the difference. Those in a r- religious spirit, when they screw up, they panic because their image is at stake. Those who are walking the kingdom. When they sin, they're grieved, and they want to make sure they're cool with God again. That's all that matters. God, are we cool? (laughs) And then he has that grin. And you posture your heart to receive, and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And you just feel the impartation of mercy and the cleansing of all unrighteousness. And your spirit man jumps again. And you're even twice as loyal because you're like, this guy really loves me unreal. So First John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. Now, the image of oneness, if you are to take two glasses of water and pour them together, that's oneness. You can't tell the two apart. <laughs> Try it. Try picking them apart. Pour two glasses of water in the same cup. It says, I was seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and dominion, seated at the right hand of the Father with every spiritual blessing. So your spirit, man, is constantly at the right hand of God himself, one spirit with Christ, while you're walking on the earth realm at the same time. You're like a totally amazing brand new creation the first prototype to walk fully in heaven and fully on earth at the same time. I went to Walmart with a bunch of teenage kids. I thought I was bold till I met some of these guys. (laughs) And the 17-year-old kid was amazed because he was flowing in these words of knowledge. He was reading people's mail, and people were getting healed. So funny, I had this 15-year-old kid, still in sin, by the way. I'm not saying sin's okay. I'm just saying like he's from the streets. He just got saved months ago. I pray for this guy's elbow twice. Nothing happens. The 15-year-old kid touches him healed. I'm like, are you serious? Christ in you is holiness. Christ in you is holiness. If you keep sowing sin, you're going to reap a harvest eventually. uh, Sow a field of righteousness taste its fruits. Everything else, it's just death. It's just total. Just don't waste your time with sin. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. for a second I want to paint a corporate picture now 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 that I gave some kingdom teaching on how to walk out your one on one walk with the Lord I want to talk about corporate because there's something very special going on here something very special but I want him to hear this so I'm going to talk about something else for a second yeah, that's cool. Just to finish up the statement before about the young man praying for people. A true leader always wants his people to go farther than him. Jesus himself said it to his disciples. All right. So the whole point is that things of the supernatural become so natural they just get passed down. It's just and then they can go somewhere we haven't gone yet. Okay? I, I took a job at a local Christian school, and some of you heard this story, but I, once again, same story, I prayed for my friend who's a pastor over and over and over again for one year, no breakthrough, and then a fifth grader lays hands on him and says, in the name of Jesus, let him go, healed, after a year of heart issues and vertigo, crazy, all right, crazy, crazy, crazy. It's wonderful. You raise a kid in the Lord and the kingdom, they're not going to depart. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And they have fun doing it. You want to see if you have a religious spirit, hang out with a bunch of little kids. Seriously. Seriously, they feel so comfortable in an atmosphere of worship, in an atmosphere of Jesus. It's just so wonderful. They're so inspiring. And they just believe. And they're proof. That it's not birthed out of here. It's it's something birthed in here. Because they hear something as truth and they inherently know it. And they just go and do it. You know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So. Oh, man, I got to tell you. Okay, I was gonna wait for you to talk about something, but, oh man, you gotta hear this. You gotta hear this. I'm telling you, you gotta hear this. The reality of righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin, so that you would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something real quick. I'm not going to go on a rabbit trail here, but salvation, different than righteousness, okay? As we talk about here a lot, salvation means soza, which means healing for body, soul, and spirit. Salvation, okay? It's much more than going to heaven, even though it's a part of the package. Now, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Son, you're going to heaven, amen? You can rest in the security of salvation. That's why you can put on the helmet every day, the helmet of salvation. But there is a promise that you can be healed of body, emotional stuff, and spiritual stuff, everything. And in 1 or 2 Peter 4.18, it says this. It says, it is scarce a righteous man be saved. It is scarce a righteous man be sozoed. So a a man perfectly in right standing with God rarely finds the total freedom of the sozo, of the salvation, all right? This isn't to say you lack, it's just to say every little affliction you could ever think of or dealing with, you can be delivered from, all right? And that salvation is such an infinite word of being transformed back into the image in the garden again, okay? And you can rest in the security Of going to heaven if you receive the sun. I saw something. I can't even remember if it was last week or the week before. Time's going by so fast these days. But there was a son. About 19 years old. About to take his life. Hearing voices in his head. The whole nine yards. And his mother emotional mess just trying to cast this thing out of him he was manifesting in the living room it was a bad scene the woman calls me calls the boy's father we go over there I told him I said just ask this Jesus where are you as I say that The young man's father gets on his face and grabs the young man's feet. All of a sudden, the demons come through the boy, manifest in the dad. I saw a 260-pound man vibrating and being thrown around the living room under the power of the demonic. And when there's that much of a manifestation, it's not because the devil's winning, it's because they are scared out of their mind because Jesus should show up in the room and they are running away screaming. That's what's happening in the spirit realm. So if you have a big manifestation, don't panic. Just stand firm, Jesus always wins. And when he show up in the room, that's why there's a manifestation. But they came through the boy, manifested in the dad, came very, very strong stuff. Very, one of the strongest I've seen. And the man laid totally limp, the father. And uh, that's when it hit me, the reality that Jesus became sin. He didn't just get his flesh ripped apart. He took on every demon in the spirit realm. He literally became sin. And that is sin is the absence of God. And this father didn't care what he did to get himself in that mess, but he laid on the ground, and he became sinless. and he came out, no questions asked, and then he just held them. And I'd never seen anything like this, and I went to a pastor, I was like, have you ever seen anything like this? And The pastor says, it happened to me and my son, who was a heroin addict for years. Jesus himself became sin. He became sin because you will become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you have perfectly right standing at the Father. God the Father was in Christ Jesus as he was bleeding and shredded and becoming sin and being crushed. It says he was crushed. He was absolutely spiritually crushed. If you can think of your actual spiritual heart being absolutely ground into dust, he was crushed there. so that you would be right standing. The Father was in Christ Jesus. So it wasn't like the Father was not feeling this stuff. He was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their sins against him. And that's why he's been given us the ministry of reconciliation, leading lost sons back home. And the whole point is to clear their conscience no matter how proud they seem. They're stuck with a guilty conscience. And when they get a revelation, that blood spilled on their behalf and they were known before they were born and that they can come into the glory and they just taste it and they're hooked. They're hooked like they're hooked on heroin. They touch, they taste the glory and they're hooked. They're hooked. So do everything you can in all gentleness and boldness to bring them in. Confront when you need to confront, but know the goal is this, to get them in the glory and to speak to them about the blood and to speak to them about the goodness. Okay. In 2 Chronicles 5. It took years and years and years to build this Old Testament temple. And this is kind of the culmination of that. It's a really short chapter. Like I said, you don't get to turn there. I want your spirits to just keep receiving. This message will be on, on the website. I'm sure you can take notes if you want later. But verse 1, so all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which the father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and all the furnishings. And he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Now, I went on to some research, found out how much. There amounted 100,000 talents, which is equivalent to 3,000 tons of gold. This amount. Exceeds the current annual global production. So, back then, I don't know how many people were on the earth, but I'd suggest it was a heck of a less than six billion there is today. So, six billion people living on the earth now, the gold industry is ginormous. This one little temple, which was only 80 feet large, had an entire year's generation of the modern day world. Okay, just for a visual. And one million talents of silver, 30,000 tons. Thousands of laborers and skilled artisans were employed in the work. Stones prepared in the quarries underneath the city of huge dimension were gradually placed in the massive walls and closely fitted together without any mortar between till the whole structure was completed. The building was 88 feet long, 30 feet wide, 82 feet high, and even with all the thousands of laborers, it took them seven years. Seven, it's always seven, number of completion. But anyway, moving on. So this is the point of history we're at right now. Verse 2. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David which is Zion. Therefore all the all the men of Israel assembled with the king at the feast which was in the seventh month. So all the men of Israel, almost the entire nation. So all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark, the tabernacle of meetings, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priest and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered. So you're talking an entire nation, assembling, gathering around the presence of God, sacrificing uncountable amount of animals. Now, is God some sick being that wants things killed to feel okay? No. No. What you sacrifice is an expression of your heart. You're talking about a whole men of Israel totally in abandon, slitting the throats of all their prized possessions and the bloods running down the streets as the Ark of the Covenant gets carried in. Okay? innumerable amounts, blood everywhere, just laying bare before the Lord, totally going all in. Okay? Then the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to the place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles of the ark could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they had come out of Egypt." And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the most holy place, for the priests were present, had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. Huge. A bunch of priests, it says they had divisions because it said they didn't keep to their divisions. When you prophesy in part, see in part, you're going to have some division. But they laid it all aside for what? For the presence of God. They came together in one accord to gather their whole lives around the manifest presence of God. They laid aside all their divisions and perspectives. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph, and the Haman, and the Judeathan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps with them. Yet this. 120 priests sounding with trumpets. So you have, you have these priests. I'm not talking about religious figures. I'm talking about King David era priests who totally spent all their time in the presence of God. And there's 120 of them blowing trumpets under the anointing. And to make one sound to be heard, it says the trumpets and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His mercy endures forever. To get people to approach the presence of God, you don't need guilt, shame, or condemnation to get them there. They sung, they worshiped, they laid themselves bare, they threw their goods at His feet, they made innumerable sacrifices, and they threw their hands up and said, He is good. His mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So you get 120 priests who are in God's presence almost every day, and they're blowing trumpets in one accord, in one mind, and a cloud manifests so powerfully they can't even minister anymore because the Lord himself became the minister. And I know this is the vision for this place. It would be a very small thing for God to manifest. And the, other, the interesting thing is he now dwells not in a place made with human hands but he formed a fashion in your mother's womb, and you were chosen for the foundation of the earth to be holy and blameless in his sight. And he made you righteous so far, so f- out of your confession. When one died, all died. When, when Adam ate, all ate. When Christ died, all died. He didn't die for us. He died as us. Understand? So your inner man slash woman was destined and created to host the Holy of Holies. And that's why when you get in the moments of deep calling out to deep, that reality comes alive. So under a greater covenant, the things that go on in these temples when you truly lay your life down and you truly bow is amazing. And outward manifestations will happen. Glory clouds are manifesting all over the globe right now. The dead is being raised all over the globe right now. Angelic encounters are happening all over the globe right now. All over the globe right now. All over the globe right now. now. Of course the spirit of the world has a bad report. Of course they do. There's two newspapers. There's a newspaper from hell and there's a newspaper from heaven. And if you read the right one, you'd be constantly... Inspired and encouraged because God always wins, and every nation will bow. Everyone, every knee will bow, whether they want to or not. They will bow. They will. So, as we come in here, and this is a house of kings and priests, if you're here today, you are a king and a priest. And you posture yourself in this heart's reality. Someone had a vision of there of just giving the whole bank account, no reserves. None. You will see manifestation you never dreamed of. Never dreamed of. There'll be a thickness in here you never never could have fathomed above anything you could ask or expect. Sacrifices won't even feel like sacrifices anymore. The whole point, the whole point is not knowing what's below when you jump off the rock into the lake. The whole point is not knowing how high. The whole point is not knowing how deep. It, the whole point is trust. The whole point is trusting the nature because faith is what pleases God. It's the whole point. It, the whole point is getting you to fly where, where the more you f- spread your wings, the more you know they work. The more you know the wind actually does lift your wings. Josiah, can you play some light music? It's really soft, okay? All right. So we're going to put this into practice, okay? We're going to live by faith, not feelings. And we're going to go for it, okay? Now, I think it was, it was early this winter. I was in a small church after uni worship, session six different congregations all came together to worship it was over but I felt that heavy kabod glory on my shoulders and I was just sinking in my chair all by myself and then I felt these two 12-foot beings on each side of me and I knew they're angels and I'm so glad God confirmed it so would I thought I was crazy the next day but this woman comes across and whispers in my ear I see an angel on your left and your right thank you God for that confirmation but I can't oh man And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a toaster oven, and I literally thought I was being burned alive. It was the worst and best feeling at the same time. I was experiencing the fire of God, and John 3 ran through my mind over and over and over again, where John the Baptist said, I baptize you in water, but there's one coming who will baptize you in spirit and in fire. And I heard, and fire, and fire, and fire, over and over and over again, and fire. And many saints are finally starting to, to, to just posture themselves to receive, and receiving just this baptism of spirit. And I'm not even going to label that as a doctrine. It's just a baptism more into him, okay? But few are receiving this baptism of fire. It's a whole different thing. And we sing about it in our songs, but very rare does a saint experience the actual fire of God. And what we're going to do is I believe the Lord wants me to impart a fire tonight.